Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When schools tell you that we aren't teaching critical race theory, it means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. Both the president and I are vaxxed, and uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it, too. Okay, so... Um, oh, don't, 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 no, no. That's all. It's a very tiny group of them. The mother I spoke to didn't want to be identified to protect her child. She says her third-grade student had to pretend to die in a gas chamber at school on Friday. And we don't understand how this could have happened in a D.C. public school. In a letter to parents at Watkins Elementary, the principal says he heard reports that a staff member staged a Holocaust reenactment that included students portraying participants from the Holocaust, like Adolf Hitler. What's the problem? You know, sometimes you become so anti-racist that you go around the end of the horseshoe right back into deep racism. Sometimes that happens to you, honey. You can't always That is it. your union-filled uh, and operated public school system in Washington, D.C. That is right. Having Let me tell you something, Alice. I, am, I find it distasteful to have a Holocaust reenactment in school. Mm-hmm. But as far as... Doing it in a very thorough manner. This they these this guy has it down. Well, yeah. This if you're is- having kids act out dying in gas chamber, it's one thing to like read some lines from like Anne Frank's diary and like read them aloud, different people or something. <clears throat> but like, I just yeah. I, if you're going that far, if you're having kids, uh, well, let's let the package tell the okay. story. For a Students involved, eight and nine year olds who are reporting. They had to pretend to kill each other. My husband picked up our child after school. Um, There was a lot of sobbing and crying and distress. The mother I spoke to didn't want to be identified to protect her child. She says her third grade student had to pretend to die in a gas chamber at school on Friday. And we don't understand how this could have happened 
in a D.C. public school. In a letter to parents at Watkins Elementary, the principal says he heard reports that a staff member staged a Holocaust reenactment that included students portraying participants from the Holocaust, like Adolf Hitler, digging ditches to serve as mass graves and simulated shootings. And he says the staff member leading the lesson is accused of making anti-Semitic statements. See, this part got by me the first time. I didn't realize he was pro-Holocaust, and this is... (laughs) Pro Hitler and pro shootings, but, but yes, they shoot the kids. The kids shoot each other and then put each other into the ditch of unmarked graves and then pretend to shovel each other. And uh, and Hitler, I'm sure tragically to the teacher, Hitler, unfortunately, that the student who gets to play Hitler has to kill himself in the bunker at the end. <laughs> so wait, I. But we've seen this play out before with some of the anti-racist things. Do you remember the one? I think it was was it at Berkeley where. They told teachers who were upset about the diversity training that the Jewish teachers that they were white and they had to apologize for their whiteness. And when there were swastikas, they told them that swastikas are anti-black and that the Jewish teachers were white. And (laughs) I mean, it seems like it's a little off. But I think when you lump everything into this like anti-racism category stuff, you can end up like with a weird lens on things. Yeah. Right, because if you're going to make everything into, like, the American paradigm of, like, anti-blackness and uh, where, like, white supremacy is Mm anti-blackness and, like, how Jewish people fit into that, then you can end up confused about events like the Holocaust because, you know, it's... Well, right. It confuses your picture of reality because you're trying to fit everything into this black and white racial narrative when that's not really the case of, like, what the Holocaust is about. And it's not really the case. Like, if you're going to try and fit stuff into a privilege narrative, like, if you're going to sit around and decide which ethnic groups are doing better in America and it must be because they have privilege, then that can, like, lead you to some weird conclusions about, like, Jewish Americans, right? Which... Oh, there's so maybe a, wait a little while and let it charge again. And, and That's Cyril, my thought. tell Sally there's cottage cheese downstairs if you want some. I got it from the store for you. And, and also, along those lines, I think that we have reanimated. The left has, um, out of um, out of just utility, reanimated the idea of existential Nazis and neo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. That they're all over the place, that they're here, absolutely, that Trump was um, adjacent, if not part of the whole thing. And because of the George Floyd and because of Trump, they, much like, you know, people are asking to be yelled at and wear masks who are triple vaxxed, they, they want to believe this. That right. People want to believe this. So now you have this idiot so, doing this. By, by the way, I, just, I like the idea of the principal saying, I got a weird complaint, uh, Bill. Can you... Can I ask you a question? What were today's <laughs> subjects like? Okay, wait a second. You did you did cover the Holocaust. I guess that could be. How did you cover it exactly? Okay, you made some kids the Jews and some kids SS officers gunning them down. And then you made some kids working at Dachau and some other kids fired the uh, ammonia gas or whatever it was. They had to in, dig ditches. Into the room, digging ditches. And one kid was Adolf Hitler you made. Was there an Ava Braun, I assume? As well in there. It's like this principal must have said, are you, I'm surprised the principal didn't pull a, a Hitler in the bunker when he said, are, are you serious that I have to write an apology letter and actually write this crap down that you just did? But I think probably, I mean, like, I'm guessing it was probably like a woke teacher. 
I, I don't know. Confused or misguided I don't know. woke teacher. What do you think about the impact on your child? I think it's traumatic. I think it's a terrible corruption of a historical trauma that was inappropriate for eight and nine-year-olds to learn about it this way. And I'm outraged. She says she's talked to other parents of kids. In I the- don't think, do any of our kids know what the Holocaust is or was? I mean, in an age-appropriate way, they know that they know what World War II is. Mm-hmm. They know that we fought Germany. Mm-hmm. They know that Hitler thought some people were better than others based on their heritage and you know where their families came from mm-hmm. and their religion, and that he killed people because of who they were. Right? Like that's the you haven't had them reenact the Holocaust. No, we no. haven't had uh, <laughs> you know. Thespians playing dying in gas chamber act. That's yeah, not, I think that it's time, Alice. <laughs> They're old enough. Well, third grade. That's two of our kids are th- that old or older. So we could we could pull off a family homeschool Holocaust reenactment, I guess. Although, and so at some point just... they're going to need to learn about the Manson family as well. Alice, so, <laughs> but I mean, I... they do write on the walls. To... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> what? Is that inappropriate? Oh, man. Okay. What what they do, I mean, oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, no. I I'd like know. to retract that. And, uh... <laughs> what? Maybe. It's 50 years ago. What? what? But I just so, what? Okay. Okay. This is a dark moment for the <laughs> Burn Barrel podcast. Mark the t- date and time. Okay. But the kids actually do... Not in quite the same way as no. the Manson family. No, did, I very say. rarely do they uh, write in dark red about pigs. Mm. <sighs> Thankfully, all right. Now let's pull this so, thing out speaking, of the mud, Alice. Speaking, and start to um, clean it off. Speaking of white supremacists, I have an inside scoop. Uh, thanks to a listener who wants to remain anonymous, who lives in Maynard. Okay. Who first of all wants to correct the record about Maynard, which I said was rural. Mm-hmm. Now I've only been to- say that word again so people can hear how you say it, Alice. <laughs> rural. Rural. <laughs> I don't. Maynard apparently is not rural. <laughs> okay, so I've only been to the Rod and Gun Club in Maynard, which uh, our listeners seems kind of is rural. Rural. It's rural. <laughs> it is rural. It's on the border with Sudbury. Um, but apparently, the rest of Maynard, which I have not really frequented, mm-hmm. is less rural. And there's about 11,000 people in about five square miles. So it's about the size of Melrose and about half the population of Melrose. So if that gives you, you an idea. Wuss. What? How much more so, of a, a deep um, mea culpa do you want to give? For, <laughs> because because so, you said it was a rural. <laughs> so I promise you and I will pay a visit to Maynard and we will check out the less rural parts We've got to put the work in. Yeah, we have to put the work in. Do the work. Okay. So that being said. Mm-hmm. I stand corrected on Maynard. Right. However, uh, we covered this story the other day where a hate group had been putting up stickers in Maynard with apparently a hate message. Exactly. And it was one listed on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website. Yes. So we wonder which one. So our listener writes the following. So I did a little extra legwork here, too. So I uh, heard from our listener who writes, Maynard, God's country. <laughs> He says, first of all, it is not me. I didn't do it. I live in Maynard. I mm-hmm. saw the sticker. I was driving around on Saturday longing for a burn barrel podcast, and I saw a police officer taking a photo of a sign across the street from CVS. Then he left. 
I saw the sticker but could not discern the message from the car, so I parked and walked up to it. Mm. It was a two-by-three-inch sticker, so the size of a business card, on the back side of the sign. It had a background image of the U.S. map in color. The message was stated, not stolen, conquered. Then the police officer came back to attempt to remove it. There was no organization attributed on the sticker that I saw. My first inclination was that it was basically a bumper sticker related to an election. There was no hate message on it, but it was a political message. You had to be right up to see it. I suppose it could be related related to Native American matters. Uh, in Next Door Acton, there is a kerfuffle ongoing over the school mascot canceling, and that was the only sticker that I saw. So... I did a little more digging into this slogan, Not Stolen, Conquered, and the hate groups that the Southern Poverty Law Center lists mm-hmm. on their website. So this is a slogan that is used by a hate group that uh, is a little active, and that's the Patriot Front. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the same group that marched in D.C. a couple weeks ago. They had like the white face oh, yeah, mask yeah. things and the sunglasses yeah. and they had like upside down American flags and stuff and then they just basically like walked really fast mm-hmm. across the mall and then vanished right that right. was like the whole thing so they were also represented at um, Charlottesville at Charlottesville mm-hmm. so they were there which is why they're now a little sensitive about like concealing their identities hence the white face mask and the sunglasses and the baseball right. caps so they don't want to be recognized now because they've Learned that it's not a big thing. So, um, I agree. Not stolen, conquered is, like, not a very hate-filled message in and of itself. Although it definitely, like, is relevant to these, like, school debates over CRT, over Thanksgiving, over Columbus, over mascots, the whole thing. Um, but, uh... The group itself, interestingly, does believe that America should be a white country. Mm -hmm. If you go, this is from their website. um, And they are, I mean, I guess, I don't know if they would call themselves this, but they they are pretty fascist. Their website includes like quotes from Henry Ford and Charles Lindbergh <laughs> uh, they, and Robert E. Lee. Charles Lindbergh, they have saying, we can have peace and security only so long as we band together to preserve that most priceless possession, our inheritance of European blood, only so long as we guard ourselves against attack by foreign armies and dilution by foreign races. Ooh. So this is a thing. They sell these stickers and posters. So like this is what they do. And this is a way that you can like appear to be a bigger group. You're very- very attractive in your ski bunny outfit, Alice. I'm sorry to Thank hit you. on you while we talk about white These supremacists. These are my high school uh, colors, by the way. Don't, Blue and gold. Don't go to... Don't go to high school colors while I'm wearing the sweater. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, <don't, laughs> we're already in trouble. Just... <laughs> okay. Uh, Blue and gold. Uh, anyway. So... Um, Do you own a poodle skirt? No, I don't own I'm gonna a poodle skirt. I'm going to get you one skirt. for okay. the holidays. <laughs> pom poms. Other than that, a it's a gift one. for you or for me. Uh, I think for? we know. Okay. Um. So, you know, and they they go on on their website. The American identity is something that is uniquely forged in the struggle our ancestors waged to survive on this okay. pan European identity, which forms the roots of our nation. Ugh. So, but they sell these stickers. So, but it, you know, unclear. I mean, I would venture most. This is a right-wing extremist group. It's unclear to me how active the right-wing extremist group is in Maynard, Massachusetts. Um, 
I assume the stickers could very easily be the work of one person. Um, and the, you know, I would, I would venture that like of the people we saw marching in DC a couple weeks ago from this group, that they are in fact, um, it, like probably half feds because that's like the way these things go is that like all these right wing people are like very bad at OPSEC. So mm -hmm. they get in OPSEC, mm -hmm, like operational security. Oh, so they get infiltrated very easily by federal agents. Right. Like, even if you look at, like, the Capitol January 6th cases, all the people, like, talked to the FBI guys that came to their house. And they're like, yeah, I went to the Capitol. I didn't mean anything. But, like, don't talk to them. Like, I don't know why. I think because right-wing people tend to be more trusting in institutions in general. Like, mm -hmm. we like the cops. We like law enforcement. We like the military. So we tend to be, like, more, like... I'm a good upstanding citizen and I didn't do anything wrong. And so, you know, you end up screwed over, but they're like more trusting in general than the left, which is like anti-establishment. So they're already like mistrustful and they're going to, you know, be less likely to trust who they view as cops. Right. right? So, you know, so right wing groups do get frequently infiltrated. Like if you look at the Michigan governor thing where like they had mm -hmm. as many federal agents involved in bringing down the group as they like actually caught people. And, you know, but I should that, mention. So, so I would say that of the people you saw marching in D.C., probably a lot of them are federal agents is the person who put up these stickers Um you know, our listener talked about it, says, like, they have laws against defacing public property. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you they would not be uh, enforcing those laws against, like, a Black Lives Matter sticker placer, even though Black Lives Matter is just as much a hate group as this other thing, right? Like, they're, they're both, I mean, they're both crummy groups. I wouldn't want to sure. be affiliated with either. The difference is that... You know, the right-wing groups are trying to couch their message in something that's, like, relatively uncontroversial, like saying we conquered the Native Americans, which the left actually, by the way, agrees with. Okay. Right? Yes. <clears throat> right? Like, the the white nationalist group and and the Black Lives Matter people agree that... Oh, certainly. They're, yeah, they, they both agree and <laughs> that... there should be some sort of segregation. They believe in the superiority of the race. They would be... Right. All right, so thank you, Mr. Maynard. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. That is very uh, interesting. I apologize for Alice wearing her high school cheerleading uniform um, <laughs> out of some attempt to uh, use her um, her. I'm sorry that I called Maynard rural. Yes, rural. <laughs> She's sorry about that. So there we go. That's it. Those were the racists. Um, so we talked to Tony Kinnett. Now, Tony Kinnett is somebody who we talked about before. It got a month and a half ago. This is his uh, a little bit of Tony. When schools tell you that we aren't teaching critical race theory, it means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. He is an administrator in uh, Indiana, mm -hmm. and he put out that viral video talking about what critical race theory really looks like practically, and it was wonderful, and we, we played it, and it was really brilliant he was great when he did that of course the school the board of education or in his town in the school people uh the the brass went after him and put the screws to him mm -hmm. and eventually they started building their file building a big case against him <laughs> exactly a, a weighty indictment against him and uh there were some revelations we had an outcome a couple of days ago so let's listen right now to our interview with tony kinnett 
Okay, we first talked about Tony Kinnett uh, a little more than a month ago when a viral video came out with him doing an extraordinary job of really describing what what CRT is practically in the classroom away from this canard that it's some distant law thing. Sound a little bit like this. You'll probably remember. When schools tell you that we aren't teaching critical race theory, it means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. It isn't about transparency. It isn't about cultural relevance. It's race essentialism painted to look like the district cares about students of color. We call it anti-racism, so you feel bad if you disagree with our segregationist pedagogy. Right, and that's just a piece of it. And I'll have the, we'll have the link to the whole link in the show notes. And it, once again, the gentleman's name is Tony Kinnett. He is a uh, he's from Indiana. He's a STEM educator and administrator, executive director at Chalkboard uh, Rev, which is at uh, Chalkboard Review, but on, on Twitter at Chalkboard Rev. Uh, you've seen him probably on Fox News or uh, in uh, National Review or Daily Caller or The Federalist. And until very recently, he was also uh, employed at a school as an administrator, but was just unceremoniously whacked, canceled, uh, 86th from his gig. And Tony uh, joins us now. Tony, thanks so much. Thank you guys for having me. So... <laughs> All right. I don't mean to laugh because this is not a good time for you, probably. And right before Christmas, losing a job is is never good. But are, are they suggesting what is the district's or what is the Board of Education's reason, literal reason for firing you? So they actually came up with a list of like eight or nine things. It was very bemusing to read, actually, with the wife today. Uh, we sat down and started breaking through. One of them is that I had uh, exposed that Indianapolis public schools had been recording children in these required racial justice seminars for middle schoolers. And they had brought in these uh, Black Lives Matter speakers. They brought in a racial equity director that told these children a number of horrible things. You can actually see those reported and reported over at the Daily Caller. And uh, in sharing that Indianapolis had locked out uh, me out of my accounts, uh, I had shown a little bit of a preview that we were going to be exposing Indianapolis for a number of things, including recording children for racial justice seminars. And in two of those thumbnails, you can see some kids faces. Again, my point is showing that Indianapolis is recording these children. They're not editing them. They're hosting them, you know, very wide and open on public servers. Mm -hmm. And so they cited uh, my reporting on their rec recording children is violating uh, some district policy <laughs> on sharing student data. Uh, they had come up with uh, reasons. They said, well, I had misquoted uh, a staff member, um, which is not true. I've quoted Dr. Payne very accurately. Uh, they stated that I had caused uh, damage to the operations and efficiency of the district, which was, again, pretty wild. Uh, I, I suppose that letting the community know what you're doing again on public email servers, public servers. I don't really see how that's so disruptive, but they uh, have opened up a lot of counseling sessions for some of my <laughs> colleagues and coworkers. And then uh, just a few other little bits and bobs. I'd taken a, a sick day on November 5th. That should have been a personal day, but just things that uh, normally you would maybe get like a work improvement plan over, but they decided that's worthy of the ax. And you could see they're really struggling in the document um, to really nail anything down because I have two perfect evaluations. Uh, mm. Perfect. I, flawless, rated highly effective. I'm an award-winning teacher. Uh, furthermore, they uh, like to claim that um, 
in several HR meetings that I didn't like do a number of individual trainings or that there was a teacher who made a complaint and just like really silly, small stuff that didn't even end up making it into the firing documents. Really embarrassing for them. Yeah, right. And I'm looking right now at some of the minutiae, misappropriated IPS generated and stored data files and copied them to a personal Google Drive and used IPS technology. This sounds like what it is. It's a bunch of people getting together, manufacturing a bunch of uh, charges uh, in, in, in their internal kangaroo court and tossing you because... You gave a really, not just one, but you've since gone on a series of shows, et cetera, et cetera, and written on the subject. You have completely exposed the reality of critical race theory. And even in that two-minute video, there is really nothing like it that does such a devastating job, Tony. I mean, you you know that this is obviously total hogwash. I mean, of course, it, it is, it's ridiculous amounts of hogwash. Uh, I really do love being pulled into meetings and every single miniature thing that they can find thrown in front of me. My boss's eyes or my former boss's eyes bugged out. She was screaming at me because I had not gone to her over uh, some of the critical race theory stuff in school while knowing that she is a very ardent supporter Mm -hmm. of a lot of the same race essentialism that hurts kids of every color in our community. Uh, But yeah, the, the last two charges are very much my favorite that I had misused Indianapolis technology. Uh, There was a, this actually stems from a question in the HR, one of the HR meetings where they asked me, did you use your IPS laptop to do this? No. Did you use an IPS account on Indianapolis Wi-Fi to do it? No. Did you use like Indianapolis peripherals, like the the extra monitor that I might plug Mm -hmm. into a personal laptop? No. Have you used any Indianapolis technology at all in order to do chalkboard review stuff? No. And it was funny watching them squirm, like, oh, we couldn't nail him down on this one. And it, it's so sad. It's like watching a toddler try to rationale why they took the cookie. It's mm-hmm. it's so silly. Well, if they're so proud of their anti-racist uh, courses and in, in indoctrinating young people into valuing themselves based on their intersectionality, then why not own it? I mean, that's the question. There was one point uh, my lawyer had to fight to get in to sit in HR meetings with me, Mm -hmm. uh, which was very humorous. But in one HR meeting, one of the last ones, uh, my lawyer was sitting next to me and and they were asking me question after question after question after question. And they criticized me for quoting Dr. Patricia Payne when she said to uh, the students that she was speaking to that all of the Indianapolis public school teachers were racist because black kids were being put into special education programs and white kids were being put into gifted programs, which by the way, is not true. The data does not show that by per capita, by population group, by it's really by region and by socioeconomic class, like it is everywhere else in the country. It's not systemic racism, but she had told these students that all of my colleagues, all of my teachers were racist because there were black kids that were being put into special education programs. And I, of course, called her out on this on radio and on TV. And the HR individual told me that I had misquoted her. <laughs> and we asked them, well, don't do, well, why are you so concerned that I misquoted her here? I quoted her pretty directly. The story was pretty direct by the Daily Caller. Do you guys not stand behind what she said? Either you have a problem with it, and therefore you're mad that I didn't do this internally, or you're, you stand behind it, and I'm a bad person for criticizing something that you find good. You can't have it both ways. But of course, they're trying to cherry pick their way through firing me for political reasons. And again, it's very bemusing. 
Well, right, exactly. And I think that um, what comes through so much in the firing document is this is a group of people who's mad that they got caught doing something that people don't like, right? And that the, the problem is that you told people what was going on at the school. Fundamentally, like they're trying to pin it on technology and how you use data or whatever. But, but realistically, they're upset that you shared information with the public about what's going on in their public schools. And that I mean, that really gets at the heart of what's going on with a lot of this critical race theory stuff is, you know, who who owns the schools, who's in charge of them, who's in charge of what gets taught to kids. And I, I think that it's so painfully obvious in in why they fired you that they're upset that that you told people what was going on. Is that I mean, do you feel like you had an obligation to let parents know in your community to let taxpayers know the people that are funding the schools what's actually going on in the building? So I'll tackle that in two parts and I'll kind of work backwards. So first of all, yes, I do believe that parents have a right to know each and everything that's going on inside their child schools. They are public schools. You pay tax money to run these buildings. Therefore, you are a part owner in that school building, in the curriculum, in the materials, in the pedagogy, in the instruction, in the classrooms themselves. You are a stakeholder in education because you pay money into it. And what those schools output affects you in society, in the economy, in culture, etc. You have a right, you have a necessity, you have a duty to understand what's going on inside public schools because you are a part owner in them. Therefore, I believe that and not only parents, but everyone should have access to what's going on inside schools, of course, with privacy laws and, and with the uh, personal information and data regarding uh, children and, and parents, you know, adjusted in order to make things safe. Now, what's funny is Indianapolis will very candidly admit that they're upset that I did the leaking. They're not upset per se that I'm, you know, speaking in public in general. They have a lot of people uh, that are on their staff that speak in public and say some really horrible things. Patricia Payne would be one of them. Monique Seward is a math interventionist at Longfellow Middle School would be another. And they're really upset at me because I had exposed them. They don't believe that they should be transparent. It was amazing how many times and emotion that would come through their voices. Again, eyes bugging out behind the mask. I couldn't possibly have signed up for waking up and finding my emails on Fox News. <laughs> Newsflash, if you are on the myips.org email server, all of your emails are subject to being read at any point in time by the public, by any FOIA request. The same with any mm -hmm. document you share on Google Drive. Just because you weren't responsible enough to know that you were in the public eye doesn't mean I should feel bad because you wrote something gross or racist or irresponsible and you got caught. You're in the public eye because you're working for a public school. I'm, I'm, I don't feel bad for staff members that are terrified that their documents might be read. You're in a public school. Those are the rules. You signed up for this. What is, um, what is it about them, about that mindset, that there's never any introspection, that immediately they're teaching this anti-racism which is racism they're teaching to value people by colors of of their skin children of course and in all of these other pernicious toxic things that go against their ideals and that's fine they're happy doing that they can do that all day and night they they feel empowered to do it but then when you call them out they feel wholly offended that you've uh -huh. done this how right and the labels come out right well, it's, in, it's entitlement and it's arrogance. Uh, this self-worship dynamic has been in public education. It's really hit home 
pretty hard since the sitcoms of the 80s and 90s. Uh, you'll notice when you're kind of taking a look at American culture, there was this framework shift that public education is hard and teaching kids is hard and it's, it's really difficult, painful work. Don't get me wrong. It, teaching does have days where it's hard. It does have days where it's overwhelming. It does have days where the parents are the ones at fault, not the teachers. However, that said, that is certainly not the norm. Teachers are not dramatic heroes charging into battle against insurmountable <laughs> odds. Teachers are not magnificent theologians and wise men because of the nature that they're teachers. Uh, my master's degrees don't imbue me with any special knowledge about uh, lording that wisdom over other individuals. That's not how that works. But in education, you're told that daily. You're wonderful because you're a teacher. No one does what you do. We just can't worship you enough. So be told by who? And by the union it, it, or by it, you each know, other? It back to backs it. Told by who? Who are they hearing that from? By the union or by each other or generally culture? Themselves, American culture, the entire political left mm. has owned education for so long. And it's not because they've been ex exceptionally crafty in, in getting a hold of education. The right is horrible at education, horrible at education. Hmm. Don't know how it works. Uh, I work with several state legislators who I almost have to tutor <laughs> to like understand basic public education. They just don't get it. Well, the left does. They get a lot of it. And so it's very easy for them to market to teachers. And it turns out that as with a lot of left wing politics, all you have to do is praise them and tell them they're super just by nature of existing. And well, that's endearing for a lot of teachers and that arrogance seeps through to their very core. So when you criticize them, they scream like a toddler. They do. I mean, you see this on Twitter. You criticize a teacher yeah. who's bragging about how because she has a master's degree, no white man can ever criticize her now. And then people criticize her. She freaks out like a toddler in a grocery store. And it's it really it's just embarrassing to the profession. It makes me embarrassed to say that I've taught. I mean, right. You see it even in like the fact that we all have to call Jill Biden, Dr. Biden. as though <laughs> she's like, I mean, she's a teacher. It's great. You know, but it, we have to have a fancy title because she has a teaching degree. It's really incredible. But yeah. And, and what I've noticed with this critical race theory stuff in particular is the school system sort of using this as a shield against criticism from parents. You know, we have it around here where they'll say like, we're not teaching CRT. You couldn't even begin to understand what CRT is. It's very advanced. It's like for law schools, you wouldn't really know it if you saw it. And it's just to cover and deflect from the fact that what it is that they are teaching, parents are seeing and they don't like it. So you can call it what you want. But, you know, it, people are not liking what they're seeing come home in their kids' schoolwork. Is that something that you're seeing where you are? I mean, like, do you feel like the parents are starting to push back, you know, organically. Like, I think there's this sense they keep acting like it's this astroturfed thing that comes from right, right wing evil forces. But, you know, it's what I, from what I've seen, it's parents in the community that are seeing what's being assigned to their own kids in the classrooms. And they're saying, I don't know what you call this, but I don't like it. Like, is that what you see too? It is. So I wrote a piece, uh, two pieces for the Daily Caller, one called I've Met the Domestic Terrorists and two called What Republicans Need to Learn Going into 2022. Um, both of them allude to the myth 
that this is all some right wing psyop. The the idea that right wing uh, grifters, you know, supposedly I'm a right wing grifter, are mm-hmm. manufacturing this outrage in order to to drive votes, and that's that's not the case. It is the organic reactions from not just Republicans, uh, really populist, traditional conservatives, independents, libertarians, moderate Democrats, who just don't see a reason to really just engorge kids curriculum with all of this political activism. And of course, all of the race essentialism is just worse. It's, it's like the opposite of icing on the cake. I don't know, dirt on your food, maybe <laughs> an expression to use here. I'm not wholly sold that it's entirely organic. I will say that there are a lot of, of people who are right-wing activists who are using this as an opportunity to, to get out there and, and scream and rant. And they are doing damage to the movement because so many people just want answers that they're willing to believe that uh, public school ABC is teaching your kids six hours of socialism a day. That's not true. However, a lot of parents are responding organically to the horrors of race essentialism, critical race theory, uh, some aspects of social emotional learning that are being put in front of kids' faces. And I'm not telling them to react that way. They're seeing it for themselves. And despite their political leanings, they're just tired of it. You know, I do a radio show in Connecticut and we've had the we've there's one story is it involves a teacher who was taken into one of these training days where she was told to apologize for her uh, white privilege and told of all the historic things that her white legacy had done to cite, et cetera. And she was so browbeat by it that afterwards she went to the principal and had another teacher together and said it was terrible they were using these terms these racist terms on me and i felt terrible what if i used the n-word in talking to somebody i'd get in trouble and for even saying that bringing that complaint up of course this teacher was demoted and is is being forced to uh to run from the mob essentially are are the how much of the teacher struggle sessions are are affecting the way faculty says, you know what, I've had enough of this. Are, are teachers, are any teachers just say, standing up and saying, leave me the hell alone, stop teaching us this stuff and these special trainings? Yes, there, there really is a lot of, uh, there really are a lot of individual teachers that have come out and have spoken out. Frank McCormick, Chalkboard Heresy, is one of them. He's a good friend of mine. He's a fellow with the Chalkboard Review. Ramona Bessinger is one of them. Daniel Buck is is one, while his school is very supportive of him, he speaks out against the broader public education dialogue. There are lots of teachers that are standing up everywhere. However, there are also a lot of teachers who are browbeat by their schools into staying silent. And I criticize the criticism that well, teachers who don't speak up are cowards and they're they're worthless and they're just as bad as that. No, that's not the case. That's not how it is uh, to be threatened to have your complete livelihood taken away, to know they will sick the mob on you. They will call you every evil thing in the book and they will try their damnedest to keep you from going to any other job in education. They believe that you are evil, that you are a horrible thing <laughs> to be put in front of children. And it is within those situations uh, that I believe the work the Chalkboard Review is doing is so important. We are amplifying the voices of teachers who are speaking out. And parents love it 
because it it breaks the left's narrative that all teachers are on the left. That's not remotely true. It's not even close to half. In most school districts, it's one out of three are on the left. The others are moderates, independents, and conservatives. So it's it's really making quite a difference to see so many teachers starting to speak out against this garbage. <laughs> have you seen the? I'm just jumping, popping this up right now. But have you seen this story of, about the Washington D.C. public schools? Uh, forcing kids into performing an interactive uh, reenactment of the Holocaust. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> another case of really stupid pedagogical use of curriculum, uh, you know, enacting all of these horrible things and then assigning racial terms to it in Indianapolis. Uh, we, they brought a short, uh, well, they brought a small book out to a, a group of middle school students and they made them link points of racism in that to the George Floyd case and how Fox and CNN covered it and made the students draw all of these specific left wing conclusions as the teachers walked them through it. Oh. It's, it's And that was in an English class. I had nothing to do with the material at hand. It's such a farce, such a joke. So, Tony, what's next for you now? Are you going to ex- accept this uh, dismissal or uh, what are you going to do? Well, I can't really shed any light on, mm-hmm. on what my legal team is currently doing. Uh, we have kind of felt this was coming for a while. This was not surprising. Um, the way they strung out the very thin claims was was fairly surprising. Um, I'm in communication with the Indiana attorney, the Indiana yeah. Attorney General's office. I'm uh, working with a couple of different Indiana education policy groups. I've been working in education policy and education journalism for some time. Uh, I'll will definitely continue to expose what's going on in Indianapolis. Continue to amplify the voices of parents and teachers all over the country through the chalkboard review. Uh, as far as what's next in the immediate future, we plan to celebrate Christmas with our family hey. uh, and we're going to enjoy the holiday that we've been blessed with. If, Indi- if Indianapolis tried to uh, kind of spit on our Christmas season, they failed miserably. Here, here. Well, I, have you gotten a call from Tucker's producer yet to, for, a, uh, for a Monday night hit? Uh, I can say you probably should be watching Tucker around <laughs> Wednesday. Okay. His name is Tony Kinnett. It's on Twitter. Follow him at the Tonus, T-H-E-T-O-N-U-S. His organization is called Chalkboard, Chalkboard Review, Chuck, thechalkboardreview.com. And check him out on Fox News and all over the place. I get the feeling we'll hear a lot more from you now, Tony. Thank you so much for the time joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Tony, that was great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, I mean, I hope I didn't ramble too much. No, I apologize. It's great. And I'll play it on my show tomorrow morning in Hartford as well. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. Excited for what's uh, next for you. Hey, thank you guys so much. And please keep in touch. If there's anything that you want to send our way that Chalkboard Review should write on, we have a couple breaking news reporters. Awesome. Better The better to amplify this kind of stuff nationally. Oh, awesome. I'll send awesome. you. We got a, lots of chaos in, in Connecticut. All right. Man, take care. Thank you. Thanks, you guys Tony. take care. Bye-bye. And thank you for Tony. Uh, an interesting guy. He's somebody that we need to be in touch with and stay in touch with him mm-hmm. uh, going forward. Yeah. And he's looking for stories of things happening in school districts. So right. you can reach out to him. His group, um, Chalkboard Review, It they do, you know, they're trying to, shed light on this stuff and expose all these you know school districts to daylight so he's definitely somebody that you can reach out to and is is looking to to kind of shed light on what your school districts are doing so for sure you know keep him in mind for that (laughs) okay a couple of small things one uh, the bidens have welcomed a new puppy to the white house named commander 
my only hope. I so, forget which one. Which one do they still have, and which one? I think passed. major passed, and Champ is around. I think okay. that's how it works. And Champ is the one who's been chomping people. Ch- yes, and we need to hope here the commander. And Champ don't get along. <laughs> no, we need to hope that Commander. I love these German Shepherds. They're beautiful dogs. They're great. it's the best thing about the Biden you administration. You know, Trump could never have a German Shepherds oh. named Major Champ and Commander. He can't have a German Shepherd whatsoever. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he's German. Yeah. So here's the thing about uh, Commander. You know, there was a time I, th- I told this before when Bush's dog would attack the press, and he actually like drew blood on one member of the White House press corps. I mean. We need commander. Who among us? Commander. <laughs> Pardon me? What exactly was that? <laughs> Who among us doesn't want to go after the press? Can I blame Bush's dog? Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, so, um, so commander is a big German shepherd. So if little commander decides to uh, go rogue, it could be very interesting. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll check on him. Now, there's another thing, Alice. Like I've said before, that one I appreciate you dressing in your in your high school. Uh, I just got a new sweater. Daring uniform. And um, and I find you beautiful. You know that, right? Thank you, honey. I love that. And I, I love you. You're very you, attractive too. You're very. Don't say people don't understand that. <laughs> they just start to feel bad and assume that you're blinking something else. Um. So so and and I appreciate your nakedness. Um. You know, on a cape. What? Should I say I don't appreciate it? <laughs> I don't think but, you should tell people that I'm naked sometimes. Okay, she's naked sometimes. That's not. No. I have uh, footage to prove it, <laughs> nope. by the way. Highest bidder. I'm never naked. Okay, here's the thing, mm-hmm. Alice. I'm also in love with somebody else. And I don't know how to say this. Mm-hmm. It, and it's it's not sexual. But as a person now, I have somebody now who it's your fault. You introduced me to him. <laughs> I have what I think may be... <laughs> My new favorite American. Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, Alice. I don't know how to say it. You know what's funny, Alice? If you said, if you said, Tom, I'm in love with somebody else, a good number of the audience, especially the women, would be like DMing you. It's so about time, Alice. We've been wanting to say something. We didn't know that when you were ready, please, you can stay at my guest house. <laughs> but here we go. Alice has found this guy on Twitter. Who Actually, is- our uh, Twitter follower, Dave McGrath, found him, who commented on your post. I stole this thread from him, by the way. He tweeted it first. He did? He commented mm-hmm. on my post? He commented on your post. His, his, what post? He's like Dave McGrath on Twitter, because you posted this thread. I posted this? Oh, I, oh, so he found it. And and I sent it to you. Okay. And, okay. and he commented so, when you posted it. This is too good, yeah. Alice. Do you want to read this, okay. or should I read this? You go ahead. This is from it's somebody making named- making you very happy, so this I'm going to let you go ahead. Somebody named it. Aiden, who appears to be a guy- who <laughs> probably late 20s. Um, probably a millennial, I'm guessing. Probably a millennial. Yeah. He's got big einstein hair, though it's brown. He uh, disheveled einstein hair. He's got a crappy, thin mustache. It's not really working out, but he doesn't know. He's got David Koresh reading glasses on that aren't working for him. Um, uh, and he prides himself. Um, on being a somebody who goes after empty maskers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he posts from the airport, showing it shows a woman smiling on the phone, uh, is sitting in one of the seats in the airport, smiling, talking to somebody, and here he starts his his uh, thread. 
spotted in the at United Terminal at SFO. I've been in four airports this week, and far more travelers flaunt the mask re regulations in U.S. airports versus the Canadian ones. I hope I'm not sitting next to her on this red eye. First of all, it's flout, Aiden. Correct. Correct. Well, he's doing important work here. Okay. Update. I asked the gate agent, who is responsible for enforcing the federal mask mandate? Because I feel unsafe taking a six-hour flight with these people and returning home to my partner, who, of course, he has a partner. Of course, he has a partner. It's probably else, a chick, but he is. just needs to say partner to seem more... So he's, so he's not uh, paternal or the patriarchal. patriarchy, right. right. Because I feel unsafe taking a six-hour flight with these people, with these people, he says, and returning home to my partner, who is supposed to travel to see her mother, who works in a nursing home. Wow, wow, you got so the yeah. 110 split of connections to mass casualties this yeah, guy has. Who knew? He's a mere four connections away from a nursing home. Right. I've asked the, Now he's got a picture of him um, taking a selfie with his mask, which appears to be made of molten leather, <laughs> taking a selfie of himself in the plane, and the guy behind him is included. He also, by the way, you have pretty bad eyesight. Mm-hmm. And his glasses look about twice as thick as yours. Yes. He says, I've asked the gentleman behind me to please cover his nose politely and was summarily laughed at. <laughs> United Flight 476, seat 21E. No action at all from the staff members. I've asked for support. After two years, we're all tired of this. But this is why we can't have nice things, he says in all caps. You, you know spiraling into any cliche available. Then he says, meanwhile, the actual children on this flight are compliant. Age is truly nothing but a number. <laughs> when he goes freelancing in his thoughts, he tends to drop the, the point. Now he says, oh, lovely. One of the flight attendants is wearing a loose-fitting mask that sits beneath her nose, too guess this is going to be my first super spreader event thanks at united <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now and then he follows up i am delighted with little stars next to delighted to have paid for this privilege now he's back at the airport and he's back on uh surveillance he's got a picture of a guy sitting on a guy with earbuds looking at his phone sitting without a mask man watching something on his tablet at gate e4 ord orlando He's got another guy. I thought, is that not the Chicago? That other oh, is Chicago it? one? Oh, maybe it is Midway or um, or um, uh, Ordway. No, it's is not that, Ordway. No, is that Coke? what? No, I'm trying to. O'Hare. I think you're probably right. Um, it's O'Hare. Yeah, that's O'Hare. Sorry, wow. go ahead. Blows up. Well, I think of it as the that because it looks like Ord. Ord. Okay. Okay. It was Chicago. It wasn't Orlando. Okay verify all my information before I dare Sorry, read. Sorry, Orlando's MCO, I hope you're happy. Okay, rub roll. <laughs> now he's got a picture at uh, uh, O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. From 500 feet away, a guy, a fuzzy picture of a guy with his mask below his chin listening to headphones and looking in his iPhone. <laughs> Man watching his tablet with large over-the-ear headphones at gate F5, ORD. <laughs> Then he moves around again and sees another guy with a bat with his head with his mask below his nose. 
Man with stylish backpack between gates E4 and F5. ORD. Does he think somebody's following this thread to come for these people? Just uh, now, here he goes. Just spoke with Officer Reed, spelling badge 13140, who told me that these people are not in violation of the mask mandate because they are not on the plane yet and there is ample space to distance from them. Any fines or removal of flight privileges only apply after they board. He has the rolling his eyes emoji. He goes back. He's going to check that with the work. Meanwhile, that's not what the CDC says. Source, seeking, clarif- seeking clarification at Ask TSA. Another guy uh, uh, with a thing. This is the same guy as the it, other one. I looked back between uh, the two pictures. He posted this guy twice. He posted this guy twice. Thank you, Alice. Am I the step was, on one? That was a step on one. That was very helpful. <laughs> Man super spreader, gate five, ORD. Then he finds a uh, woman with the mask below her nose saying, mother of three in concourse E. e. <laughs> Then another guy sees rolling bag, running nose. And that guy is also the things above below his mouth. And then he sees role model, gate F6, ORD. Does that mean that, that no, no, that means. Because that, I think it's apparent. Apparent, that's right. The, the, the things below his nose. He's got a picture now of an adult with two children saying, a family affair. Please don't shame the kids. With Meanwhile, the kids. he's posting the kids' faces. Yes. On the internet. Please don't shame the kids, he says, as he posts their faces on the internet. So um, so that's just some of this guy's work. What makes him, obviously, obviously, the right thing to do, if you're somebody like this, is to self-immolate. I think we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. And ideally publicly, somewhere. Um, I, and anybody in, with self-respect would obviously know that. But Alice, you have a bigger, larger point to make about this situation. Uh, which is that I believe Twitter has a new policy. This has been up now for since Saturday. So, you know, two and a half days, this thread has been up. Twitter supposedly has a new policy, which uh, does not allow people to share photos of uh, private citizens without their consent, I believe. Is that not correct? Correct. Unless it's, you know, relevant to like the news or the public interest, according to them. So it's interesting to me that this thread is still up here, considering I believe some right wing people have probably been reporting it and it's still up, even though he's photographing random people in the airport hoping to sick a mob on them. Like, I mean, salivating at the idea that he can somehow ruin these people tweeting out their exact locations and tweeting the airline and the and the airport accounts just to try and get some action to stop these people including like the tsa complaining that the guards including his badge number have not enforced the policies as agencies fit i mean it's really like pretty incredible uh violations of the twitter safety policy that we were (laughs) informed was like very important and could result in your account being suspended but i guess you know it's not meant to apply to people who are just in the public interest sharing bad people um (laughs) somebody replies to twitter and twitter named proud republican that I when I tweeted out tweeted this out replies. I assume by the time I read this, he'll be dead. <laughs> of course, I assume he has succumbed to the disease by now. I, I mean, he must be 
quadruple quintuple vaccinated. I mean, but uh, sadly, Aiden's not alone. The New York Times ran a whole piece today um, about how traumatic. There's been a bunch of these pieces. People, uh, people in New York are finding the rise in COVID cases right now. So this is a, a piece in the New York Times today called, Is That Sniffle a Cold or Is It COVID? In New York City, the slightest runny nose has people canceling holiday gatherings and lining up for hours outside coronavirus testing centers. By Sarah Maslin Near. The symptoms of a common cold are typically a stuffy head, the sniffles, and body aches. Now this season... There's a new one. Panic. As the latest coronavirus variant races through the recently reopened offices, holiday parties, and family gatherings, signs of an ailment that was once an annoying winter perennial eased with bed rest and chicken soup now sets minds racing. In New York City, the slightest sniffle has people canceling holiday plans and packing coronavirus testing centers, where in recent days lines have been stretched for blocks. Is it a cold or is it COVID? With new information that the highly contagious Omicron variant can penetrate two vaccine shots and a booster, it has become emotionally upending to feel under the weather, New Yorkers say. Having other ailments in the middle of a pandemic feels almost like an insult, said Tal Levin, a 32-year-old author from Manhattan who has taken three at-home coronavirus tests, all negative, since she came down with an apparent cold last week. I have thought so much about this disease for the past two years that any potential brush with it feels a bit monumental. Tal Levin. Thank you, Tal. Uh, Tal, by the way, used to be Tally Eleven uh-huh. and uh, wrote a book about extremists online targeting her. Oh, God. So, of course. Uh, and like taught a class about it at some uh, college. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Many cannot shed overwhelming anxiety in the face of COVID, a pathogen that has killed nearly 800,000 Americans. Despite receiving negative tests, some people keep burning through at-home coronavirus swabs just to stay calm. Oh, my goodness. The worry is particularly intense. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But it tells us about a few people that have like gone through this. Uh, when Julia Edmonds from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, who was vaccinated, began to feel run down, she was sure it was a cold. It was a stressful thing. You don't want to feel a cold as COVID. There's a distinction between reasonable fear and anxiety that becomes disproportionate and all-consuming, but in such tumultuous times, a certain level of anxiety is understandable. It's important to normalize how people are feeling. Anxiety and fear are common. It's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay to feel low. It's okay to feel distress. Since Rachel McEnany began sniffling last Saturday, she's taken two rapid tests, both negative. Yet when a housekeeper came to her home, she drove her car in circles around the neighborhood with her dog, Jaeger, afraid that she might give her employee the coronavirus in the remote case that both tests had produced a false negative. As her illness dragged on, she was unconvinced by her at-home test results and took a PCR test Thursday. She began wearing a mask when watching television with her teenage daughter. You're wearing a mask and you're hiding from people and you're miserable and so worried, said McEnany, 49, the commissioner of administrative services, who considered canceling her Christmas plans, compounding her anxiety. Is the Sigma being sick in public? And it quote, it goes on. Right. I'm not done. There's a bunch of these people who've taken 17 coronavirus tests. Yes, there's a word for these. Uh... <laughs> Maybe I take it back about 
the at-home COVID test. You know, I thought this could like be a good avenue for people to test comfortably at home, but it seems to me that there's about 17 people in Brooklyn who are taking 100 COVID tests each and like driving up the prices and hogging them from people that could just be using them. So maybe we need Saki to step in and like distribute them more equitably or something from like white 40-something professionals who are inexplicably worried that they have COVID despite their 17 booster shots and whatever else. Anyway, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Jesus. Why am I in trouble? Yeah, because you... There's like... Uh, exit- the show really ended eight minutes ago, so- but but then the New York yeah. Times came in. You, your guy that you found was the guy... I liked was, my article, too, I and know. McEnany and her four negative COVID tests that couldn't trust them. And so but nobody can beat my guy. Aiden's a guy. Nobody, I mean, I don't know. Seat it's, 47E is noncompliant. <laughs> is Aiden that, wearing why, a mask so at home a, with his teenage uh, children? Yes, you're reading a thick <laughs> piece of news copy, but that's like reading a book, and books is dumb, Alice. People mm. like to give me yeah. all the frosting. Now, no work. Yeah. No work. Hello? Woman went around and waited in line for two and a half hours to get tested. Would Tom Shattuck wait in line for two and a half hours to get tested? No. I wouldn't wait two and a half well, hours see, that's why we to still get have... the last hit of chemo if I was dying. <laughs> that's why we still have the pandemic, honey, is people like you are selfish and won't get tested. Okay? I hope you look you're happy. very attractive in your um, um, high school... Um, What's that called? Cheerleading squad uniform. Were you on cheer? No. Mm. I was not. Anybody who graduated from Lexington not. High School in two thousand six. What time when did you graduate? Five. Two thousand five here. I'm gonna need some intel. I was not on a cheerleading Her team. name is Alice. She would have been a, a diminutive that's what I meant to find yesterday. Diminutive blonde girl who speaks rich girl French, where they speak like that in Winchester and Concord and Lexington and over enunciate. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> Should I hit the music now or no? I mean, you already played over me once. I don't know why. <laughs> Alice, 1570. It's a whole world of lengthy, thick columns. You can accuse people of living in rural neighborhoods left and right. There's no end to it. Uh, he is Tom Shattuck. I'm Alice Shattuck. This has been the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. Burn I think Barrel- they were wondering which one is which. <laughs> I just can't. I just want to be clear. I don't necessarily want to be associated with you too closely. After what you said about the Manson thing today. Mm, <laughs> a little uh, inartful, Alice. Uh, we have a website, burnbarrelpodcast.com. You can find us facebook.com slash Podcast. Is there anybody you'd like to thank tonight, Alice? Uh, Toast Cat sent us cookies. That's right. Very nice. Thank you, Toast Cat. They were delicious. My kids ate most of them before I could get to them. T-Unit had none. None. Zero. 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 We're going to have to come up with some keto treats for you. Yes, I eat radish shavings now. That is Some butter cocoa fat bombs or something. Uh, thank you, everybody, for supporting Tom and his diet. Nobody let him eat anything when you see him at remotes in Connecticut this week. I appreciate you. Oh, that's right. We're in Connecticut. I'm in Connecticut tomorrow. We're going back to the... Wednesday, you're in Connecticut. Oh, no. I'm well, tomorrow. you'll be there tomorrow night, but right. your remotes are Wednesday For this day. show, though, do we even bother trying to do I video on my side? I do. It's... A- 
I, I think... No, we're going to do the show, but do we bother doing video on my side? Or should we, we try? We haven't the other times. I'll just bring the laptop, and if that works, it works. If okay, it we'll it try. Are you staying in the other hotel? The different hotel, yeah. Okay, so maybe you'll have better internet. We'll test you it out. You look very we'll beautiful, Alice. I've got to say, this is really <laughs> ridiculous. Thank you, honey. I appreciate my that. My pleasure. Wow. Yeah, I appreciate you. So anyway, when you see Tom at his remotes in Connecticut, don't give him any cookies. Keto treats only. Thank you very much. <laughs> treats. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.